Welcome to the J.P. Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and miss me this weekender is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. <laughs> hey, Bruce. Last one of the year, right? Is it? Um, uh, we're not doing one next year, I don't think, or next week. <laughs> doing one? No, but the week after we might, the 30th. But uh, anyway, so we've got some, I think, important things to talk about on the data front, uh, which is starting to kind of give us a better feel for how the fourth quarter is shaking out. And um, we can go into that, but I, I do think by far the most important question to ask is what did we learn from the central banks this week, uh, Fed first and foremost, and then obviously we can go into some of the European ones. Uh, so do you want to go right into the Fed or you want to talk a little bit about the data before we actually get to the main main course? Um, maybe we should just because it's it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's worthwhile. I mean, uh, let me throw out as a sort of a um, basic framing uh, that you can respond to is that, you know, there's a there's a lot to kind of process in the data, but the data is, I think, not all that, you know, kind of surprising in 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 the context of a a world in which financial markets and central banks are are definitely surprising us. So, you know, we're we're looking for growth to slow but not get weak. We're looking for inflation to come off a little more, but stay relatively elevated. And there's definitely question marks as, as you've been emphasizing, the divergences are there in the regional and sectoral stuff, but nothing is really shocking us in terms of, hey, we're kind of feeling like our GDP forecasts or our inflation forecasts need to be reconsidered for the very short term. Just let's stay on that. How, how, how do you respond to that, that, that view? I mean, Bruce, I, I think that's fair. I guess I would have said on these divergences, we maybe it's too soon and this is where you're coming from, but I, I guess I would have hoped to start to see some hints of convergence on, on some of these fronts. Uh, you Why don't know, you be start, more specific? Yeah, well, I'm that. going to. So like on the, on the sectoral side, you know, I, I, I've been hoping to see a little bit more life in, in manufacturing. And I, and I think you've been cutting that sector a little more slack than I have. And I've been, I've been kind of more concerned than you have. And the, the, and, and you may, may be right. Maybe I'm too, too uh, downbeat on it, but certainly this week's PMIs didn't help uh, that cause much because they're pretty disappointing. Uh, and, and frankly, that is where the weakness is in the developed markets. So let's remember, these are the flash PMIs for December for the developed markets. And developed market manufacturing has been struggling. And even this week also, the, the November, or excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the November readings from the US were disappointing. We didn't get as big of a UAW bounce back uh, as we thought. And uh, you know, U.S. industry looks looks pretty soft here. European industry has looked soft, continues to look soft. Um, I think in Asia things are are better. Uh, certainly, the China news this week was better on the industry side. Japan looks like it's uh, a bit better, but I, I I think the broad mix for global industry is one in which you have um, you know some real weakness on the supply side. There are arguably hints that things are picking up on the demand side. Retail sales is looking better. The U.S. did a little bit better. Uh, there are hints of a pulse in the CapEx. The Nowcaster is picking up a little bit. So it does feel like it's an inventory story 
Um, but for what for whatever the reason, this is going on a little bit longer than we thought on the sectoral point. The other divergence that we've been flagging, of course, has been this kind of exceptionalism of the U.S. against the backdrop of just continued weakness in Europe. And here again, the PMIs, we, we look to the flash PMIs this week. I think reinforced that, right? I mean, the, we had a, a little bit of a lift in the um, November PMIs in Europe that felt like we were maybe turning in a corner and that was given back in the, these December flashes. I think Europe is, we keep saying it, is, is flirting with recession and uh, this was not a great week for that. So the message isn't changing in terms of divergences. It's just that I guess I would was hoping to see a little, at least hints of convergence as we turned in the new year and we're not seeing that. So I think that's a, a, a bit of a, a concern. And then last thing I'll just say, because it will set up a bit of the, the central bank conversations. I, I, I do think the inflation stuff is, um, yeah, it's tracking, but I, I think it's a little bit softer, particularly when we start to slice and dice the, the, the PCE versus CPI in the US. But I, I won't open that up until we start talking about the Fed. So I think the broad picture is, yes, tracking, but maybe not quite as as, uh, as as much as I would have hoped. Yeah. I mean, I'm not fighting anything you're saying. I just think these 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 discussions here are more nuanced in a world in which, you know, we're we're expressing concern about the um, the DM manufacturing flashes, but the overall index actually was was up a touch. And the um, dynamics of, uh, uh, you know, where we stand in terms of uh, um, the overall picture in global industry is um, is still weak, but services are looking like they're doing a, a bit better. You know, so I think if I'm asking I, I my question, I should emphasize, Bruce. There, I apologize, but I do want to emphasize. I, I made a big deal about industry being weak and the U.S. industry being weak, and then Europe being weak in general. I want to step back. I want to say U.S. I think is actually doing quite. Well, I mean, I, I the retail sales numbers were yeah. a, a touch softer than we expected, but we are way above consensus. The numbers were stronger than than consensus. Consumers doing doing better, as I mentioned. I think the capex number is doing better. You had that strong payrolls report, so I I think the U.S. economy is tracking kind of above potential growth, above you know roughly two percent, maybe right. more. I mean, I don't my, know. my point is, if we wanna if we want to, um you know, focus on divergence, which we should in some sense, that's fair, but, uh, and there's some frustrating weakness, but the basic picture of the world is that everybody's doing okay, except for Western Europe. I mean, I just yeah. would say that, you know, that's, yeah. and that's, it's frustrating but, that we're not yeah. getting that. China the, has some unique problems. I, I think if you just want to look at, you know, production, fine, but they've got a real domestic demand problem in China. No, I mean, everything gets sliced and there are yeah. problems in China, there are problems in the U.S. in some places and there are problems across the world. But I would just say that nothing is scaring me now that anything is going to break to the downside, this idea that we're moderating on growth. And I think you're right. There are some things in the inflation picture which are looking uh, better. Uh, but the basic tracking of core and CPI as we do globally is more or less where we would expect, I think, in some sense, Aligned with what you said sectorally, the goods pricing is is weaker. The service pricing yeah. probably is a touch touch firmer at this point than where we thought we would be. And and let's just leave this because I think we want to get yeah. to the main event, which is okay. We're we're sitting here. I, I think in a world in which if we were just talking about this data, we wouldn't be feeling 
particularly challenged with anything we wrote in the uh, outlook three or four weeks ago, but I do think we're being particularly challenged. I think the reason is the financial markets are on fire here and the Fed's talking to us in a way that I think legitimately sounds like a like a pivot. So let's let's get in into that. And I guess we should we should start with the Fed. Um, and, you know, from my point of view, the Fed, um, you know, it hit the notes on the surface that you would have thought they maintained a, a, a bias towards tightening. Uh, they did talk about uncertainties. They did talk about, um, you know, the continued uh, elevated level of inflation. But the reality is, if you look at the way the uh, the forecast was put together, if you look at the way Powell uh, talked to us, you know, they're shifting towards a clearer sense that they're thinking the next move is going to be down and it's now a debate about when um and they were not um uh interested in any meaningful way uh at pushing back against the financial conditions easing and that that in both of those cases you got got a surprise and to me um in an underlying sense they're going you know all in on soft landing here which is to say they're they're buying the supply side improvement in their forecast. You know, they basically have, um, you know, more an infl- If we go back and look at how the forecasts have evolved over the last few forecast rounds, they've got um, the same, if if not a slightly more disinflation built into their forecast for next year, with considerably higher levels of GDP and and a decent amount lower unemployment than they thought they would have. They're no longer talking about having to have a subpar performance that cause pain. They're basically going away from saying they need to inflict any pain on us. And that by itself shifts the balance of risk. Even if uh, I, I'm not sitting here thinking they want us to think they're going to be moving in March, but they're definitely telling us uh, the next thing they think they're going to do is ease. And they're happy to have the markets uh, price that in as they look at 2024. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I would say, you can say, oh, the data hasn't surprised us. It's kind of the central bank reaction function. But if we don't believe the, the data is surprising us, then I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about shifting our probabilities on how we think things are going to play out. We'd be talking about the potential for a policy error as the, as the Fed is going to get head faked by this downdraft and in inflation. And quite frankly, I think there is a, a chance of that. I, I, I think this was a kind of a bizarre performance of, of Powell. The biggest thing, as you, you noted, was the, the kind of unwillingness to engage with market moves, saying that, oh, well, we just focus on our tools. We're not really looking at the, the, the kind of financial market moves, which is, by the way, the polar opposite of what they were doing in November. So that was just a, a, a mistake, I think, which is why you're seeing people kind of clean that up with with speeches coming out today to kind of push back against some of the that dovish uh, interpretation. But I mean, maybe this is just a question and, and you and I can, can deba- debate this. You kind of continue to say the data hasn't surprised, but we are changing our probabilities a little bit. And so we, I, I think there has to be a recognition that maybe the odds of a soft landing have improved a little bit. And I think that's based on the, the, the fact, at least in, in the U.S.'s case, that the inflation numbers are coming in a little softer, not so much on the CPI side, but on the PCE side. And, and certainly next week's PCE reading is going to be a really soft one, which was complemented not just by the CPI, but the PPI numbers that, that came in softer than expected. That, that, that's real news. And I think that's, to me, that's what's getting me to shift probabilities, not right, some- but. 
but that's that's not what's getting me to shift probabilities, quite frankly. Not that the PC number hasn't been better, but it's been better primarily because of very weak core goods pricing, which is uh, also what's helped lower uh, core CPI, but to somewhat of a lesser degree. Uh, I don't see the decisive swing in the inflation data that's getting me to believe that we've uh, uh, clearly uh, broken the back and we're going to be sitting in the low to mid twos on a sustained basis. Uh, if we were just looking at that, we'd have a bit of a debate on it. And I'm not arguing that the bias doesn't go towards somewhat more easing, but it wouldn't be, in my mind, any way, shape or form enough to really shift the probabilities. To me, the probabilities shift because the financial markets have shifted and the Fed's telling us its reaction function is different. So the Fed's but telling me- we don't me, believe that that's really reflecting something in the data or it, that we're learning something about the macroeconomy from no, that. No, we are. We're, we're basically finding out, I think, that the Fed will be more inclined to ease earlier than we thought, given the kind of data we expect. The Fed is more willing to bank on a forward-looking path of, sure, if the inflation numbers shoot up to, uh, um, uh, you know, three and a half, four, the Fed is not going to ease. But if the core inflation numbers are running around three with the core CPI a little bit above and the core CPPCE running a little bit below, it, it feels like this is a Fed, which in an environment of, of all other macro variables in line with our expectations, will be more willing to start taking its foot I off. I don't the know. I, I feel like we had a forecast and, and kind of still do a forecast, and the Fed does for that matter, a forecast of kind of trend-like growth next year, an unemployment rate that's maybe a little low, but is, is roughly in line with neutral. Um, and all of those things would make you say, okay, we're, we're at neutral, but the difference is inflation is going to stay sticky. That was our, our view. And if what I'm learning is that maybe inflation, I'm looking now switching gears from CPI to PCE and saying, inflation's running below two and a half already. Uh, you know, if, if we're already running below two and a half, and I believe that's legit, and I've well, got that's the issue. Like that's growth, the issue is neutral policy. No, rate. but Joe, 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 why would you think that that's legit? If core, if, you know, you can, you can, you can say that that's legit, and you can take that view. But there's plenty of reasons to doubt that in a world in which uh, core services in the in the in the PCE are going to be running something like three and a half, three and three quarters on a three month right. run rate. On, on the next print this week, and what you're getting is like three percent annualized decline. Right, but goods. now you're arguing what I said, which is you think they're making a mistake because I'm telling. No, I'm not arguing. No, no, no. You're, I, you're I'm arguing it's. I'm, let me say. Let me if, say. If, if inflation jumps back to three percent by the first part of the year, do you think the Fed's going to be talking about easing in the middle of the year? I. I no, they don't. won't. And yet, you just told me a story for why you think inflation's going to be moving back to three percent. Let's be. Let's be careful here. I think if inflation on the CPI level is running about 3%, and I think we get everything, if the Fed gets everything else it's expecting on growth and the labor market, I think it will be easing at the middle of the year now. And I didn't think well, that. Where do you and think I core, didn't think that just, four PCE weeks ago. Where's I, core PC? I mean, if I'm saying if core PC is 2 8 by. I think the by, Fed will be easing by June. At 2 8. Today, I think so. I would not necessarily all else equal in terms of what the Fed is expecting in its forecast. And certainly what we're if we get what we're expecting in our forecast, for sure, they're easing. And we remember, very, we're at two, three now. So it's not just you're at two, eight by, let's say, March. You've accelerated from two, three to two, eight. Yeah. 
if we're going to be running so. below three and we're so. going to get. I think they're going to say. And by the way, you have one of the most dovish members of, of the FOMC today, Bostic, saying he actually thinks they're only cutting two next year. So, so what what is your what is your bar to get the Fed to ease in June? Well, I've, I've always, right, right. yeah, I've I've always said you need to be closer to two and a half to three, and then you need to believe you're on a path to below two and a half in the second half to get them to ease by June. And if okay, I'm accelerating so to two eight through the first half of next year, I don't one I'm I'm too close to three then to two and a half. And that acceleration is going to make me think we're not in the right direction to get below two and a half in the second half of next year. Well, so let's no, just be I'm careful. Let's be careful. The last six months core inflation in the PC is averaged two, four. And in the CPI, it's averaged three, four. Mm -hmm. If we if we go at two, seven, two, eight on core PC, that's not going to feel much of anything other than more news for close to what we've had. It's not going to. It's not going to feel like a big acceleration. You're talking right. about I'm just a saying, couple, a couple I think of hundred. If you're feeling like you're getting stuck close to three percent, that's a that's just not acceptable to the Fed. That will not be something they can live with. I think they're telling us the bar is lower as a result of what uh, they're I reading. I, and and I, I agree. If you just listen, so to do Powell, you? Do I would you be think the Fed? Heels. I just think it was a mistake. I think Powell. Do you think, I think it was. You a think the Fed is going to lose in the first half of next year or not? Say it again. Do you think the Fed is going to ease in the first half of next year? Not if we get the kind of more hawkish inflation call that we have. I think if we're still running two three on PCE, yeah, absolutely. But if we're running two in seven, fact, Bruce, you were running two seven. This six if you're running ago, two seven, in the middle of the you, year, we were saying if we're running below two and a half in the first quarter of next year, they'll be cutting. And you you said I totally agree. We were in agreement. That was like six months ago. We said that. So fast forward, here we are. I think well, I still agree with that. Do you think if they run if it's running two seven, they're not going to ease core PC? Correct. Correct. I think they are, and I think that's what's okay. changed. Yeah, yeah, that that, that could be. I, I, I mean, settling at two seven is going to be a belief, and you hear some clients saying, you know, oh yeah, Fed, who cares? they don't care as much about inflation. They can be, you know, if they're close to three. That's close enough to two. But I, I but I don't I, think that's but, the case. But remember, you need to validate the other elements of their forecast. They've got a forecast that GDP is going to grow one four, that the unemployment rate is going to be drifting towards four one. Implicit right, in that. What you're going to learn, what you're going to learn in that. Let me finish what I say. Yeah, let me okay. finish what I'm going to say. And they're basically implicitly assuming in that environment that there's positive supply side news. And I think that's what they're banking on. But if they get that, if inflation is running to seven, right, that supply demand imbalance is still going to be generating inflation that's too high. And it's going to be telling you that whatever supply improvements you thought you were getting, those are done. And you've got the demand. Well, curve you don't you think it's inconsistent you to, to pull it in. You think it's inconsistent to have the unemployment rate drifting a bit higher, which is what their forecast is, have GDP running, let's say, broadly one and a half percent. You think you can distinguish between that outcome delivering 2.7 or 2.3 or 3.1 on core PC? You think there's a think there's a one to one mapping from, in those? Right. If I over a six Come month on. period, if I saw us go from two three to two seven on on core PCE, two seven is already too high, and I've just accelerated almost a half a percentage point. 
no, I, I, I think any sane mind and the staff certainly will be telling them that, no, the, what, the, this, the disinflation process is done and you better start worrying about this thing you've been talking about for two years now, which is salience getting embedded into inflation expectations. Okay, let's leave a little bit of love for the ECB after <laughs> we've given so much goodwill and holiday chair. Well, the ECB to, is to, hilarious because I mean, boy, if we well, you just want to you just want to rail on these central banks. I thought today, it was a, it was a pretty shocking week on the central bank front. I'll I'll give you that. Uh, I mean, All right, so go go. Go whale on the ECB for a minute, Joe. Well, I, I think you're in a, you're in more agreement on this one, right? I mean, if there's more space for a, a central bank to be dialing back, uh, you know, it'd be the ECB. So in contrast to the Fed, where I think both you and I felt like there was reason to kind of stay the hawkish course a little bit, and they went the other way, the ECB did the opposite, right? They kind of seem to really dig their heels in and, uh, you know, suggest that the, the job's not done. And, and this is all a matter of tone. Nothing's changing here, but the tone's important because that's what's happening in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, it, it, and then it's encapsulated by the power punctuated by the, by the by the PMIs that came out today. I just kind of chuckled when I saw the news and I'm like, here we go again, right? ECB getting hawkish and tight, right? As it's falling into recession. So, uh, well, I mean, yeah. let's be careful because they were hawkish. If the Fed had had been more in line with ours and most people's expectations, the ECB would have been more of an afterthought because the ECB has already taken out its bias and they clearly have shifted away from uh, being hawkish in an absolute sense. What they're doing now is they're just saying it's way too early to start talking about easing what the market is priced in, which I believe the market has them easing more than a full uh, 25 by by the April meeting. They're just saying that's premature. Um, so- um, I, mean, that's, I mean, I don't wanna put a, a ton of weight on it, but it is advertising for the natural language processing stuff that I think is actually useful. Uh, I think it's telling that the, that the, the Powell press conference speech was the most, dove, I shouldn't say that, is the least hawkish press conference speech since late 22 so it moved in the direction of being less hawkish whereas the uh the speech from lagarde and company uh actually moved from hawkish to slightly more hawkish um so i, I think there was a, a a move there based on these nlp tools if you want to take those as far as you want okay but let me say that i think if we kind of step um beneath the surface and you sort of say why is the ecb uh, more hawkish than the Fed, as you note, in a world in which the ECB is looking at an economy that's stalling and has just gotten uh, even weaker data. Um, you know, to me, I mean, there's two things here. One is this is an inherently, <laughs> you know, inflation-oriented central bank, and until they get, you know, their bar in terms of where they need to get inflation D's is probably lower than the Fed's relative to the two percent target. But I think the second thing is that they're fundamentally getting more pessimistic about their supply side. So if yeah. you look at their if you look at their forecast, they lower lower growth a little bit. They don't push the unemployment rate forecast up. Uh, they push their wage numbers up for next year. They push their unit labor yeah. cost numbers up for next year. So they're going in the opposite direction of the Fed. Fed's, you know, buying into supply side improvement. The ECB's getting more uh, frustrated with supply side uh, dynamics. Um, 
Yeah, so, no, I, I actually I think that's a really good insight, Bruce, and I hope kind of listeners kind of think about that because it's it's important and and it kind of squares the what you're seeing, what they're doing, and it squares the logic of the ECB and it squares to kind of some sense of the logic of the Fed, um, you know. But uh, it's a it's a negative, it's a very negative view for Europe, uh, I would say, if if it's right. Yeah, and I think it also then means that one thing you're probably going to need uh, in the next number of months to really shake the ECB is something that kind of breaks the labor market. And that's the, the point is that that could happen. And it's got a much, it looks like it's got a higher risk of happening in the Euro area than the US. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still, it's still notwithstanding that, that point, it, it's frustrating to see. It, European economy that's like on its knees and and about to fall into recession, uh, and then to see a, a hawkish central bank, and then even on the fiscal side of things, you you've got these yeah. kind of institutional rules and debt breaks that are actually leading to more fiscal tightening in in places like Germany. You've got just this kind of lack of a kind of institutional coherence to develop an industrial policy to respond to like what the US is doing. And, you know, at a time when there's a, a lot of exciting developments um, on whether it's kind of green revolution or AI to, to see Europe just falling behind on this and just just not able to get its act together. It's just like body blow after body blow for the region. And it's it's it is it's frustrating, I guess, is the is the only way I can can look at it. And, and it just, again, punctuated by the, the ECB this week, kind of, you know, just maybe feeling like it's sticking its head in the sand a bit. OK, so you got your your not got my on rant ECB, on ECB out as well. And then also on on budget rules and other things. Yeah, too. exactly. So yeah. We'll uh, we'll leave that there, I guess. Uh, next week's data anything we're not going to be here next friday to to have our own rants but uh on the data flow next week i guess it's partly the pretty strong um real consumption number in the u.s and the pretty low core pce reading that's going to take attention uh, and that i think is not out till friday if i'm yeah it's all uh, my friday, yeah. friday anything else worth um mentioning in terms of what's coming up I've got the BOJ next week, I guess. That's the oh. other big thing. And yeah. uh, there we're really looking for them to be in a holding pattern. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's Pushing in January. It January uh, where we nerve did. type idea yeah. that people have gotten excited about. It's January when they have the next outlook provision that we look for the next big shift in their their rhetoric. Of, so well, rhetoric, but we're not looking for the negative interest rate. We're not looking for rate hikes until middle of next year, is it? Or yeah, our forecast is we wait. We have them waiting till the middle of the year to to hike. Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess we'll leave it there. And uh, since this will be the last uh, call for a couple of weeks, I wish everybody a happy holiday. Hope everyone, as well as myself, can get some rest. And Bruce, um, I want I want to see you rolling through the Upper West Side with that sweater, delivering presents to all the little kids. <laughs> all right, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> anyway, again, happy holiday. Take care. Hope we can continue the weekender uh, as we turn into the, the new year 2024. Take care. Bye-bye.